This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson It is December 15th. Excuse me. Wow. Hanukkah has just ended. God bless our Jewish brothers and sisters. And, uh... We've had the season of Eid with our Muslim brothers and sisters, and now we are in the high season, the Christian calendar of Christmas, the Mass of Christ. Uh, Let us rejoice and be glad in the fact that the Savior has come, and the Savior has come to show us a new way of living, Uh, justice, peace, uh, looking at having our forgiveness and no revenge, all of that. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You say, wait a minute, you all don't have this way of living down correctly, and so I've come to show you an abundant life, and we are grateful to it. Whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, in the faith, out of the faith, I think we can all learn something from one another, and certainly you can learn something from uh, this divine man called Jesus. I'm Santita Jackson. It's a joy to be with you today. It's a joy to be with you today. And I want you to know we are going to be having some conversations about our policy. Uh, It turns out that Israel and the United States are at a crossroads. Question is, we're calling for a two-state solution. And Benjamin Netanyahu has said, anything but that. I'm the person who stands in between you and the two-state solution. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? And then we're going to be talking with Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams and Denise Parker about grief and the holidays. Um, I'm really wanting to reach out to people who are brokenhearted in this, in this holy season. In this holy season. Uh, a lot of people struggle. You see suicide rates go up temporary solutions, uh, permanent solutions to temporary problems, and I want you to know that there is hope. That there are people who have, gone, who have gone through, who have grown through, and who want to help you. So, stay right here, everybody. Let's talk about, let's talk about the world today. Let's talk about the world today on the Santita Jackson Show. Please like and share, like and share, like and share the Santita Jackson Show, and Meet me here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, and meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Let's get some of these headlines out the way so that we can get the good news. Ukraine took a big step toward joining the European Union yesterday. The EU agreed to open membership talks. It will be years before Ukraine can officially join uh, this block of nations, but the direction was an important sign of support. The EU leaders couldn't agree, however, on $50 billion in funding for the country, exposing division within the 27-nation union. The House passed the annual defense policy bill yesterday, $886 billion includes a 5.2% pay raise for military personnel and funding to counter threats from Russia and China. President Biden is is expected to sign this into law. The U.S. urged Israel to scale down 
its war in the Gaza Strip. You do remember at the beginning of this war, the IDF said that they were not going for accuracy but for damage. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan yesterday asked Israeli officials to lower the intensity of their operations in the near future. It follows President Biden's remarks this week that, quote, indiscriminate bombing, close quote, was costing Israel support all around the world. Mortgage rates dropped below 7% for the first time in four months. An unusually strong storm will lash the East Coast this weekend. And Google is taking steps to protect your location data. And those are some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. The author of I See You, Sis. I See You, Sis. And we're going to bring a sister who we do see, Deborah, uh, excuse me, Denise Parker, uh, single mom who uh, has been leading a toy drive with her family, but they give away toys, food, uh, clothing, and gift cards and uh, until they run out at 8540 South Racine. Thank you so much, Santita Jackson Show listeners, for stopping by and giving them a blessing, giving them all of the, all of the above, and even giving them money. They really, really deserve that. December 17th, starting at 12 o'clock. Um, that's when the giveaway will begin, and no questions asked. You get in there, and you get what you need, and they give and give and give until they run out. And I hope that... I hope that they just can give and give and give and give. And thanks to you, they're able to do that. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, First Baptist Church of Richhampton, New York. I see you, sis. How you doing, my sister? I'm doing well. Good morning. It has been a year for you. God bless you. It has been a year. <laughs> it has been a 2020 year. 2020 through. Mm-hmm. 2020 through. <laughs> I am not mad at you. Well, talk to me. I mean, because, you you know, your father has gone to be with God, and that is, that's a tough one. But, you know, I was speaking with some of my Muslim friends, and they said, you know, the first day we cry because we, there's a void in our lives. They've left us. The second day we Mm -hmm. rejoice because we know they have gone to be with God. I said, wow, yeah. you're a better person than me, but I hear you, I hear you, you're, you are right. <laughs> Talk to me, give me some good news today. So, actually, today I'd like to talk about how the Greek stole Christmas. <laughs> we mm-hmm. always talk about, uh, you know, we, we say Merry Christmas, we say Happy Holidays, and all of those things are wonderful, but we have to realize it's not merry and it's not happy for everyone, but it can be. And when we look at grief, grief has a way, if we let it, of stealing Christmas from us, stealing the holiday joy because we realize there's one empty seat or several empty seats around the table. Um, We're missing a greeting or a Christmas card or a holiday card from someone we love. And it just, especially if you remember that person as someone who loved the holidays, it makes it that much more difficult when you realize they'll never be the same. And the good news is, And the sad news is nothing will ever be the same. As a matter of fact, I've coined this whole season my new different. Not my new normal, because to me, nothing will ever be normal, but it can be new and it can be different. But when we talk about how the grief stole Christmas, I'm thinking about the Dr. Seuss tale, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. 
And for those of you who don't remember, The Grinch is a beloved character from Dr. Seuss's story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And we can see him actively in his story going through the five stages of grief. Five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so as we think about grief, as we think about this season, where are you in the five stages? There's, first of all, there's denial. At the beginning of the story, we see the Grinch is in a denial about the true meaning of Christmas. He despises the holiday and refuses to acknowledge its significance. And there he is by himself, isolating on Mount Crumpet, trying to distance himself from the festivities. And then we see him transition into anger. As the Grinch looks at the Who's in Whoville, they're celebrating Christmas, they're happy. His denial turns to anger. He becomes furious because they're happy and decides to steal all of their Christmas decorations, their gifts, even the feast. His anger drives him to carry out a malicious plan. He goes from denial to anger, and then he goes to bargaining. Well, the Grinch is stealing everything from Whoville. He encounters a little girl called Cindy Lou who, who innocently questions his actions. And in this moment, he starts to question his own choices and motives. And he briefly starts to bargain and considers returning the stolen item. He begins to bargain with his emotions and contemplates a different path. We get to that stage where we're bargaining. Well, maybe if I do this, it won't hurt so bad. Or maybe if I do this, I won't be a bother. Maybe if I do this, the person will come back to me. All of these things. And then we transition from bargaining into depression. After he successfully stole Christmas, he thinks that the who's are going to be devastated and that they're going to be filled with sadness. But what happens is they get together and they celebrate all the more because they realize that gifts are not what's important. They begin to emphasize love and togetherness. And because of that, the Grinch begins to feel a sense of emptiness and sadness, realizing that what he's done didn't bring him any of the satisfaction that he hoped for. And so he goes into a depression. But ultimately, in the end, he transitions into acceptance. The story progresses, and he experiences a transformative moment. He realizes that Christmas is not about what you can touch, but rather the people that touch you. It's not about material possessions. It's about the joy of being loved by other people. And so his heart grows three sizes. He returns everything back to Whoville and embraces the true spirit of the holidays. He accepts the love and forgiveness offered by the who's and finds redemption. Why do I tell this story? Because we all in our grief become the Grinch in some way. We all go through the stages where we deny, we get angry, we bargain, we suffer depression until ultimately we get to a point of acceptance. And now this all sounds easy, but if you've ever gone through the process of grief, you know it's easier said than done. But I want somebody to know today that the Grinch does not have to steal Christmas. Your grief does not have to steal Christmas. Grief is not our enemy. Grief is a tool that's used to process and help us deal with our mourning. I want to say that again. Grief is not our enemy. Grief is a process to help us deal with our mourning. You can have good grief. And let me say this. Grief is not just death. Grief is the loss of anything that you held dear. I've heard people of grieving their weight after a major weight loss. I've heard of people grieving their hair after they've done the big chop. 
We grieve in relationship loss. We grieve through divorce. We grieve through the loss of a job. We grieve through major transition. We grieve when one of our favorite TV shows goes off the air because now there's a hole, there's a void. And when we find a hole and a void, we have to deal with our grief. Let me say this, grief will not be denied. And you can choose to deal with it in a healthy way or it will find itself, find a way to manifest itself in unhealthy ways. Grief is love with nowhere to go. Grief is love with nowhere to go. And so if you're grieving today, I want to tell you today, it doesn't have to steal Christmas. It doesn't have to steal your joy. What grief steals, grace gives back. Give yourself grace this holiday season. Allow yourself to feel. Allow yourself to cry. Allow yourself to remember your loved ones. But also give yourself grace. Give yourself a moment to laugh, a moment to have a fond memory. Eat the food. Enjoy all of your family and loved ones. Grief does not have to steal Christmas. Why? Because there is glory after this, and that's the good news. Oh, 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 wow. Thank you for that. Grief is love with nowhere to go. Thank you for that. Because I've been grieving the loss of several close, several of my closest friends. Oh, wow. And, um, oh, boy, I mean, these are, these are my, my road warriors who, you know, the people you call and who, who you can save them. Can you believe this just happened to me? I don't, mm-hmm. Like the only two or three people in the world I could do that with. But right. um, they finished their work. And um, yeah. and now I'm, I'm trying to move into the space where I say, you know what? I thank God for all that you left me with, all these wonderful memories. Okay. And um, I'm, you know, I'm thankful for what we've had, not, not for what I'm missing now. And I want to thank you for that because I needed that today. I, I needed that today. I you know you so can stick well around. Oh boy, oh boy! Thank you for oh, <laughs> you have an anointing on your life. Thank you so much oh, for sharing it with us. Oh, for all the great things that God has done and continues to do. Thank uh, you. First, the First Baptist Church, Bridgehampton, New York. How can we worship with you on Sundays? Yes, you can worship with us in person. Here in Bridgehampton, New York, we're at 151 Bridgehampton Sag Harbor Turnpike. Or you can join us online on YouTube every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the First Baptist Church of Bridgehampton. Make sure to subscribe to our channel. Amen, everybody. Amen. Well, you know what? I've got Dr. Shanina Knighton because I'm so glad you're going to share a word with Denise Parker in a few minutes. Dr. Knighton, whew, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, boy. I feel so much better now. I feel just a little bit lighter. <laughs> I haven't gotten some good That's news. Always. I know you... Oh, it's a blessing, but I know you're going to give me some more good news, something else I need to look out for. So we can change our baseline yes. from unhealthfulness to being healthy. I like that. I love it. Yes. So this morning, just really briefly, Santita, I just want to raise, I would say, awareness to our audience of... Organizations, um, site they have something on their site under emergencies, and it's called the latest disease outbreak news. 
So who has a disease outbreak news, okay? And it's important because as we're traveling, whether, you know, domestically or globally, it lets you know what is going on and what has been reported. So you'll find on there, you know, uh, outbreak of anthrax and zombia. You may find, you know, influenza, which is taking... You know, it's told in the U.K. right now, um, an influenza A variant. Same thing, you know, where you're looking at that upsurge. I was telling you about the upsurge of respiratory illnesses among children in northern China. I'm just reminding people that when we started to experience COVID, there was reporting in as early as October and November of these upsurges, even though there wasn't a name on it besides SARS-CoV-2, okay? And so just reminding individuals that there are resources out there for you to understand potentially what's going on. While I understand that the news in itself will put, let's say, one particular illness in front of our face, like think about it, we were absolutely told 100% at one point in time about monkeypox. We were told about, you know, COVID-19. Then there's RSV, and there's this singular focus. But I want people to know that there is more than one pathogen, more than one germ that is floating around at a time. And, yes, there's good germs, but there's a lot of bad germs that are floating around that rarely get discussed in the media, and unfortunately, we all gonna say it, but lives matter, every life matters. But if they're only saying, oh, well, it was just only one death, so we're not gonna report it, some of these things do not end up um, getting to us until it's already had, like, let's say, a lot of people or it's had a significant impact. And unfortunately, that could be us or it could be one of our family members. So I always encourage people to utilize these resources such as, you know, disease outbreak news, understanding what's going on, you know, even within their communities. While I mentioned in World Health Organization, this information should also be accessible at your county level to where you can also understand if there's any uptick or outbreak of illnesses in your particular area. So I encourage people to use those resources because when you do know what it is that you're walking into in terms of a geographical area um, or you're visiting somewhere where there may be uh, challenges when it comes to illness, you can much better prepare with those infection prevention and tools that I've been sharing. And I'm going to continue to say it, but stay ready so you don't have to get ready because, again, germs are things that we cannot see, but they wreak havoc once they get into our bodies. Dr. Shanita Knighton, everybody. Dr. Shanita Knighton changing that baseline from, I'm going to get sick. Oh, I'm getting sick. Oh, girl, what you need to No, 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 you don't have to get sick. You can be well. Let's get that. Let's go on and get, get to wellness, everybody. Let's do that. Let's do that. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. We're going to be talking about the toy drive, Gabriel's Toy Drive at 8540 South Racine. The story has touched my heart. I know it's touched yours. Many of you have gone by to to drop off. Uh, I mean, to really to drop off toys and, and food and, and monies, and I want to thank you for that. But let's talk to Denise Parker. Single mom, seven children, many grandchildren. She doesn't look like it. But that having been said, uh, she's got a story. 
and she is carrying on in her son's name. And she's gone from this grief. She's uh, Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams. Grief is love with no place to go. Well, she found a place for her love. And so we're going to talk to her about that. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, thank you for being so patient with me here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, all of my morning stars. The video went down because my internet went down. But now we are back, so spread the word, everybody. 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. How are you getting through these holidays? How are you getting through these holidays? Many of us um, are really excited about the holidays. You know, I mean, this is the time of year where people are euphoric. You know, it's like, wow, this is it's the most wonderful time of the year. And yet, for many people, it is the most difficult time of the year. It's the year where many people feel that it's time to end it all because they see, they count up uh, the cursings and not the blessings in their lives. And there really are no cursings in this life. There are just moments that don't make you feel that great. But you'll find that those moments, those moments of challenge, those moments in which you've under pressure are the moments in which you become the diamond. Uh, and diamonds don't become diamonds unless, and they remain hunks of coal unless they have a whole lot of pressure exerted upon them. And, and as Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams just told us, grief is love without any place to go. And, uh, and she had that experience this year, um, having had her father go home to be with God. As I'm watching my parents uh, get older, Bonnie great song. Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams comes to mind in the nick of time. You know, your pa- you, your, you and your parents yeah. look at each other because you see yourself getting old. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. You know, we're watching our bodies change. We're wa- and everything, as the song says, must change. You know, rain comes from the clouds, sun lights up the sky, hummingbirds do fly, winter turns to spring, and on and on. But this is a tough time of year for people. And yet, Denise Parker was able to turn her pain into power. She said, when my son died, she said, you know, first, when she said he was my miracle child, she had had an accident. And the accident, the car accident, almost destroyed her ability to have another child. So when she found that she was having this child, she was delighted and shocked. And so when he was born, they looked in the Bible. He said, you know, we decided we were going to go to the Bible and name this boy child. And when they opened the Bible, they came across, came across the name Gabriel. They said, okay, that's his name, the angel. And he did everything real fast. Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams came out of high school early, went to college, mm-hmm. and at 17 started a toy drive. And then at 20, had a seizure and died. 
And his mother said, Denise said, you know, at first I was so angry. God, why would you take him from me? But then as she processed her anger, her grief, she said, it came to me, or maybe God said to me, he belongs to me. And she said, and I realize that you just have your children on loan from God. That's it. He and we belong to God. How do you process grief, particularly at this most wonderful time of the year? I think that one of the ways that we have to process our grief is we have to do just that. We have to process it. Grief cannot and will not be denied. Grief demands her attention. And as I said earlier, if you don't process it in positive ways, it will find a way to manifest itself in negative ways. And what does that mean? It means we have to sit with it. We have to sit with the silence. We have to sit with the feels. We have to let the wave of emotions come and let them pass. And so what we often do is try to fill the voids with busy work or fill the voids with food or fill the voids with entertainment or things that we love to do. But grief, again, will not be denied and can't be handled that way. And so the only way to process grief is to do just that, process grief, acknowledge how you feel. One of the things that I also recommend in a grief season is therapy. Because sometimes you just need to be able to share how you're feeling with someone, what your thoughts are, with someone who actually has no fight in the game, (laughs) a therapist Mm -hmm. who doesn't know you, a therapist who doesn't know your family, and all they want to do is help you walk through the stages, walk through your feelings, help to make some semblance of sense out of what's happening in your heart and in your head. And so how do we process grief? We deal with it head on. How do you do that? I mean, it's so, you know what? I have to tell you, all of my life, and I was talking to someone about this, and not to belabor the point, but, you know, black leaders of my father's stature and renown, in this century, in the last century, didn't make it past 39. The only black leader who had that kind of resonance with people that Dr. King and a few others have had, um, the only one who lived a long time was Frederick Douglass. So all of my life, I guess I was living in some kind of grief. Um, Because I didn't expect him to live past 39. So when I see him now at 80, it stopped me. At 82, and people feel sad for me with with Parkinson's, I'm like, you have no idea. If this is what I got to deal with to keep him... Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Right. But I have to you, tell you, it has been, I had, I didn't realize I have been living with grief all of my life. What you're, all of it. What you're describing is anticipatory grief. There's a name for that. Okay. The idea that, so anticipatory grief is the type of grief that occurs before the actual loss. And yeah. so your anticipatory grief, it's, it's a response that you, to the awareness that you know that loss is imminent. It's on its way. It's going to happen. For lack of a better wording, it's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. So when someone is diagnosed with a terminal illness or you know they're nearing the end of life, when we watch our parents' age or, as you said, your, your parents' career and their um, 
global exposure, it's like, okay, when is it going to happen? And we call that anticipatory grief. Anticipatory grief can happen, just like you said, in family. It could also happen, mm-hmm. think about jobs. When you're reading, the, you're reading the signs and you're like, oh my gosh, a layoff is imminent. And so you begin to prepare, you're grieving already for what's about to happen. And so how do we process, you asked about our grief, is what I say, allow yourself to feel. It's important to acknowledge how you are feeling, acknowledge your emotions, even if they are painful, and give yourself permission to process, give yourself permission to say, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to feel guilty. It's okay to have confusion. It is okay to cry. Cry it out. It's, you must seek support. You have to find a friend, a family, have a supportive network. Again, a therapist that can help you work through your feelings. Another way that we have to process grief is take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. This is something that um, my friends always tell me. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you being kind to yourself? And I have to say there are times when I'm not because the reality is grief is, It is exhausting. It's physically and emotionally draining. And so if there's ever a time where you need to prioritize prioritize self-care, it's now. And let me be clear. When I say self-care, I'm not talking about massages or manicures and pedicures. Those are maintenance. When I say take care Mm. of yourself, it means get sleep. It means get nutritious meals. It means exercise. It means to engage in activities that do bring you joy that as much as you can, that do bring you relaxation. That's what it means to take care of yourself. It is giving to yourself what you would so readily and graciously give to everyone else if they were in your shoes. Um, Be creative. Sometimes writing helps. We can't, you know, writing helps us to express what we can't express verbally. We can write. We can paint. We can play music. We can dance. It's hard to dance when you're in mourning, but in the, in the words of Leanne Womack, I hope you dance. Some way to channel the energy and get it out. And so those are some ways that we can process our grief. Center yourself in the middle of people that make you happy. Oh, yeah. Be intentional about doing the things that bring you some semblance of happiness. And in that moment, it may not feel happy, right? But at least something in your spirit may respond even if your body can't. So we have to be intentional about putting ourselves in the environment that make us feel good when we're experiencing grief. And go at your own pace. Grief is not a race. It takes time, and the grief process is different for everyone. When I consider my dad's passing, we are, there are four of us, four of his children, and each one of us, has processed our grief completely differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, completely differently. No one of us is processing this or expressing it in the same way. And we've all respected each other in that process because grief is different for everyone. You may stay in the denial stage longer. You may, one of you may stay in the anger stage longer. Some of us are still wrestling with the questions and bargaining with God or bargaining with whomever we have to in order for this grief to be processed. And so, um, again, go at your own pace and give yourself the grace to grieve. Mm-hmm. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, everybody. You, would you mind taking a call from Anita? She heard you at once. I don't mind. Ask it. Anita, what's on your mind, sweetie? 
May God bless you in this holy season. Oh, oh, yes, most definitely. Isn't it good to be able to live through what Christ taught us? Um, Absolutely. But I, I was laughing at what he was saying about grief because God has a sense of humor out of this world. And he has a way of coming to you and letting you know, yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I remember when. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and you feel like a total fool. How did I forget that God was who he was? And then you feel stupid. <laughs> and then you look at all the children. And then you look at the children. Like, my mother was whittled when she was pregnant with her second child, didn't even know her husband was killed. Suddenly. Mm-hmm. Suddenly is something that'll take you off your feet, you know. But mm-hmm. you know what? When it's sudden, I happened to have someone I was really close to. He passed, but he had a full life, and I made sure he had one. That's why they say you're supposed to let a person smell their flowers while they're here. If you do mm-hmm. everything for that person while they're here and not live in regret later, it, it tends to help the grief because you know you help that person get to where they were need to go and that God has them in perfect peace at this point, you know. And it, it, it's a wonderful thing. It feels bad, but I've also learned when my great-aunt passed at 16, who had no mom because her mom passed when she was less than, well, two. She taught me everything a mom could teach because my mother was a widow. So I'm being told by a woman who had no mother who taught me how to be a great mom. I mean, the miracles of God just just keep going, you know. It's these miracles that you start to bear witness and have a testimony that, oh, yeah, he is God all by himself and, no, I couldn't do this without him. This is definitely something I need his support in. That's if you're a God believer. I don't know what people do that don't believe in God. But I'm going to tell you this, Santita. It says about that anxious worrying, anticipation. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. no thought for tomorrow. Because if we put on ourselves what God didn't put on us, then now we're carrying a burden God didn't ask us to carry. He said you're going to have enough to deal with today. And tomorrow is going to have its own, you know, future and ending and beginning. And if we try to put it on us and put an ending to it before it gets here, maybe some of it might be true. But God has his way. As uh, I was listening to uh, Smiley this morning, and I think Haynes was the uh, pastor that came on. I listened to him at six here. And he said that nobody knows what a person has gone through to get to where they are and what God did to get you where you needed to go. Oh, man, that was so powerful this morning. And we just don't know. The blessing is good. And God says he's going to make all things work towards good. Believe that. And take no thought for tomorrow. Don't put on you what God didn't put on you because you will wear a burden he didn't ask you to carry. And Santita, I've been thinking the civil rights movement needs to have a Christmas show to show where Christ was in their life through all of this struggle and pass the torch on. You know, mm-hmm. all those people that us like Bernie Mac and Jill Scott and people like that, Tamla Mann and her husband who want to encourage us to believe in God and do it in their family lives. All these people are passing the torch. We can't pass up today because we're looking at yesterday. As they say, you can't drive looking in reverse when you got to go forward. we got to take that some kind of way and move forward and know that it was a good thing and thank God we were blessed with those people in our lives for the time that we had them. Oh, I, amen. One more thing. 
Sure. And I'll say one more thing. Remember, uh, right, uh, remember, God, what's the name of the show where the the one that the lady loses, the one that, oh, God, it's the the show where the, the, the tank, the ship is in the bottom of the ocean, the new one that just, the one they just did the movie where I can't think of the guy's name or anything, but that lady met a guy, right, and, and look at what happened to her, if, if that's a true story. I think about that, I said, God, she was with the man that she really loved for only, a few seconds of her whole oh, Titanic. life. Titanic? Yes, I couldn't think yeah. of Poseidon keeps coming well, to know, my mind. Yeah, you know, but, you know, and I but think, I think that, that and that's important. At 60, I understand that. At 6, I did not. At 6, I was just scared. And I think that that is, you know, and I'd seen the picture of Bernice King looking so forlorn, because she and I are the same age. And so I'm grateful for all of it, you know, for the journey, you know, Anita and Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. But, you know, the thing is you have to stick around so you can go on the journey. And I just want people to be encouraged to do that today. I don't want people to impose a permanent solution on a temporary feeling, you know, um, because the footprint. all of all this will pass. Yes, all of this will pass, but, you know, Anita, I, I wanted to I wanted to bring someone else on real quick, but you know I love you. What, what, your closing thought, Anita. My closing thought is God is magnificent. No matter what we go through, I have learned that He takes those people away. To, they have done. They have blessed you so much in the whole world. They might have been bored sitting here with us. No, <laughs> and it's time for you, you to right. be as strong as they were. It's time for you to be as strong as they were and stronger. Absolutely. It, it, it is time. I love you, Anita. Okay, love you, too. I love you. Uh, Shapiro, what's on your mind today, sweetie? Is Shapiro there? Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry, I'm here, St. Peter. I'm sorry. Can you no, hear me? No, no worries. Sure. Well, I, I, your thoughts? Yes, thank you so much for taking my call this morning. You know, as you know, you know, this subject hits home for me. Uh, I lost my son back in 2016. And uh, my birthdays, Christmas, was always just like the best time of year. So it was, it has been a very difficult process, uh, this grief during this holiday season. But after his passing, because Christmas was so important to us, we also um, decided to celebrate his life by doing a, 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 a toy drive as well. And it helped me to process, uh, to give back, to see the joy uh, on the children's faces because it, it reminded me of my son. And I, re- I recall um, sitting in church one day and I was, it, you know, when you have a loss of a child, it, it it knocks you completely off of your feet. I mean, it, it's, I, I, you know, people talk about grief of parents, but I'm telling you, grief of a child is, is just nothing like it. Nothing like it. And so I was, you know, I was seriously like, you know, God, questioning my faith type of thing. Like, what, why did you choose me, God, to go through this journey? What are you trying to teach me? What do you? What do you? What do I need to see? What do I need to learn? I was. My whole faith was 
was just all over the place. And I remember sitting in in uh, church, and uh, uh, the apostle of God, he was. It, it seemed like he was just talking. It was many people listening. But he was focusing on Shapiro Wells at that time, and he said these words that helped me to begin to process and accept the death of my son. And he said that um, God didn't uh, give you faith to um, to exempt you from tribulation. He mm. gave you faith so that you can get through the tribulation. Amen. And I was like, wow. It was so profound to me because mm. that faith was it was shaken to the core by me losing my child. My faith was shaken. And so I began to use my faith to help me to get through the pain and the grief. And I began to see it in a different way. And I began to celebrate my son in ways that I, I, it, I began to see my son in a whole nother light. It's for who he was and what he was to other people. And I was able to um, draw on his energy and to to be basically show the world, continue to show the world what 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 a gem he was and what and what he continues to be to the world. And so now we have this foundation and we have learned so much more about what he was doing that I didn't even know when he was alive. And so I just want to encourage people to actually tune into your faith because that faith is what's going to sustain you. Even though that you're going through this tribulation, it is something that you're processing and you will get to, I won't say that you'll get to a, a place where you'll never feel sadness or anything like that, but there you will get to a point where you can say, you can smile, you can you can in, you can look at your your loved ones and and enjoy those beautiful memories because today I can I can look at my son and 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 not fall out crying because that faith that God gave me has strengthened me in ways that I cannot even imagine. And I just wanted to share that today, Santita. That's a whole lot. I mean. Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams, the last two minutes, please take them. I, when, I, when I went away to college, my father said, I have one request of you. Find a church. He said, I will have failed you as a parent if your relationship with God is not right, if it is not strong. He said, because the storms of life hit, and they hit without warning. Baby, if your soul is not anchored in the Lord, you will drift away. And I will have failed. He said, I won't be able to live with that. Please do that. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, 90 seconds belong to you. Sure. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for everyone sharing their transparency around grief. I want you all to know that you're not alone. I think that's the biggest thing. Sometimes we just feel like we're alone. You are not alone. There are people who love you. There are people who care about you and want to support you through this grieving process. Take your time. Grieving is a personal journey. It's going to take time to heal. Remember, give yourself permission to process and feel everything that comes your way at your own pace. And it is okay not to 
be okay. Grief is not something you get over. It's something you get through. Grief is not something you get over. It's something you grow through. And it's okay not to be okay. Don't let anybody, anybody rush you through your grief. Remember the good times. Celebrate whatever memories and positive moments you have with your loved one in a previous experience. Reflecting on the joy that they brought into your life can bring you great, great comfort when you need it most. Celebrate their life. Celebrate your life. And allow yourself to heal. And lastly, like I said, when grief steals, grace has a way of restoring. So take care of yourself. We always say practice self-care. Today I'm telling you to practice self-grace. Give yourself the grace to grieve. Be blessed this holiday season. Ooh, I love you, Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. Love you, too. Ooh, made me emotional. You know, and these things come (laughs) up, you know, and I think because in many respect I was not really allowed to express grief as a child. You know, look, my parents were young and struggling and trying, and my mother was trying to get through. So she okay. had, on one level, she didn't want to hear it because the thought to her was daunting and frightening. So I had Dr. Alvin Poussant from Harvard, the great psychiatrist. He was, he's practically a member of the family, had our pastor, thank you God, and the whole fellowship missionary Baptist church family and the church family. But, you know, that having been said, it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. But it's not okay to impose a permanent solution on what is a temporary problem or feeling. I love you, everybody. Mm-hmm. I love you, Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. Everybody, I love you, too. That, that's why you need to get the book, I See You, Sis, so you can be blessed and you can bless somebody else. Let's talk about the two-state solution, everybody. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about peace in the Middle East and in our lives. Come on. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. What a moment we have had with Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams here on WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and of course, you will be with us uh, during the Democratic Convention. All things Democrat, you can find out here, everybody. And the best progressive talk in the country. Indeed, the largest platform for it is right here at WCPT and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Got Amy Klobuchar and Ilhan Omar and, and so many people up there. So let's, everybody, let us please support progressive uh, radio and television and talk because they support you. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's talk about uh, the push for the two-state solution. Benjamin Netanyahu was saying, no way, no way, no way. But more and more of the world is saying, 
That's the only way. It's the only way. And so I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about that. Because America is now being put in the position of having to push back against Israel, which is a very, well, it's a position we've not been here before. We've just not been here before. So we need to talk about that, what all of that means. Got a tremendous panel to talk with us about this. Of course, Dr. David Gibbs, historian from the University of Arizona. Uh, Attorney Mark Fancher, brilliant civil libertarian and civil rights lawyer. National Conference of Black Lawyers. Of course, Dwight McKee, brilliant social scientist. And we welcome to the family, because yes, Keith Zelensky, now you're part of the family, if not now. I know he's like, what have I bought myself? What have I been pulled into? But he is a tremendous young activist, and he has got a tremendous story. He said he's from a he was from a he's from a passive Zionist household. What does that mean? And and how? What were his beliefs and how they evolved? Cannot wait to hear from him in just a moment. But in the meantime, let's get to some of these headlines on the Santita Jackson show. Ukraine took a big step toward joining the EU yesterday. The EU agreed to open membership talks. It will be years before Ukraine can officially join, of course. But the decision was an important sign of support. The House passed the annual defense policy bill yesterday, 886 billion dollars, and that's just what's on top of the table. The U.S. urged Israel to scale down its war in the Gaza Strip. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan yesterday asked Israel officials to lower the intensity of their operations in the near future, but the IDF at the beginning of this uh, at the beginning of this incursion said, look, we're not looking for accuracy, we're looking for damage. So, there you have it. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 47 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis-St. Paul, a high of 43 degrees. It will be rainy. In the NFL, what a game last night. Boy, oh boy, I mean, the Raiders 63, the Chargers 21. It was a blowout. Make no make. No mistake about it. In the NBA, the Bulls 124, the Heat 116, the Timberwolves 119, the Mavs 101. And the Kraken 7, Chicago 1, the Wild 3, the Flames 2, everybody. And I want you to know that we have a new sponsor when we welcome two WCPT and to the Santita Jackson Show, Credo Mobile. They are our newest sponsor. Indeed, they are socially conscious, and that is why I love partnering with them. I'm so grateful that they are partnering with us. Uh, They have spent $95 million plus on progressive causes, progressive nonprofits working for a better world. In other words, they support, as you support them, they support you. You need to support them, everybody. With Credo Mobile, you'll get the best service. They compete with the big guys. They have the best phones. They have the best plans. All you have to do is join. Everybody, go to credomobile.com, C-R-E-D-O mobile.com, C-R-E-D-O mobile.com, or call them at 877 All corporations aren't bad. And when corporations direct uh, themselves to help the people who support them, that's a great thing. Ninety-five plus million dollars they've spent on progressive causes. As we help them, they help us. CredoMobile.com, everybody. Call them at 877-346-0516. I believe we have Denise Parker with us. Denise, are you there? 
Okay, well, no, let's pull her up. Let's pull her up at 730. 8540 uh, South Racine, everybody. 8540 South Racine, the Gabriel Toy Drive. It starts on, it is, well, it starts at 12 o'clock on December 17th. You don't want to miss it. They will be giving away clothes, food, toys, gift cards, and they will give away until they give away no more. If you stop by 8540 South Racine, you can give them a love offering. You can drop off some food, clothes, gift cards, because they will, it is going toward a gift, a really wonderful cause right in the middle of the neighborhood, everybody. And so we are grateful, grateful, grateful for them. Everybody, let's talk about what's happening in the Middle East. Um, We have seen the United States begin to take a turn. Um, They've become openly critical of Israel. Now, mind you, all friends have arguments, and all friends have disagreements, and we do have a special relationship with Israel. So that is not unusual, but what is unusual is um, now we're watching a pushback, quite frankly, that we have not seen before. We're also watching um, anti-Semitism, and, well, anti-Semitism really includes uh, Muslims as well. So we're seeing pushback, uh, really a lot of pushback against the Jewish community, but we're seeing attacks upon the Islamic community as well. There is a lot going on. There are a lot of moving parts. And um, now President Biden is asserting that there has to be a real Palestinian state, that that must come after this war. Although when Benjamin Netanyahu went to the U.N. in September, when he presented the map of the New Middle East, it did not have Palestine on there. So what's really going on here? What is really going on? And this impasse, uh, 153 to 10, uh, the world body at the U.N. voted to end, uh, to have a ceasefire. America was on the wrong side of that. Um, what's going to happen here? Before we get to you, Mr. Zelensky, and this tremendous journey that you've been on. I want to hear from Dr. Gibbs, who was a professor of history at the University of Arizona. He has got to leave us because he's got to finish grading these papers, making life miserable for someone. But, you know, at least you'll be telling the truth. <laughs> How you doing? What do you make of this, this back and forth that we're seeing between the White House and Israel at this time? Um, well, a little bit of background on the two-state solution. Um, Israel... Um, uh, took over the West Bank of the Jordan River and the Gaza Strip during the 1967 war. Um, and, uh, you know, it was widely believed that Israel would relinquish them after the war. They did not relinquish them. Uh, they kept them, as well as I should add, the eastern part of Jerusalem. Um, and uh, these are areas that uh, had been um, inhabited by the remnants of the Palestinian population, including um Palestinians who'd been expelled from Israel during the 1948 uh, Nakba, the 1948 war that led to the expulsion of large numbers of Palestinians. Many of them settled in the West Bank and Gaza. Now they were once again under Israeli rule, and they've been under Israeli, effective Israeli rule. West Bank mostly has been under mostly direct Israeli rule. Gaza, you might say, effective Israeli rule ever since. Um, And, um, you know, since I, I think in the last 20 years, they've been under nominally local rule by Hamas with this very intense Israeli blockade that controls everything going in and out of Gaza. So it's almost as if Israel never left. Um, bottom line is that these are people being essentially controlled by Israel but with no voting rights, no real legal rights in any meaningful sense of the term. And um, we're talking about uh, in Gaza, 
uh, 2.3 million, I believe, is the figure in West Bank. I, I think it's closer to 3 million. Uh, so it's a sizable number of people here. Um, and, um, you know, it, it has been called an apartheid situation, and apartheid in the sense of, as in South Africa, you have one racial group dominating another racial group by force. Um, you know, a lot of it's a contentious term, apartheid, but, you know, Israeli officials themselves have used that. Ehud Barak, a former prime minister, a former chief of staff of the IDF, he himself said Israel is getting very close to apartheid. Many Israeli officials have said this. Uh, so it really is an apartheid situation. And, uh, you know, this has led to endless conflict over decades, numerous deaths. And it obviously is the precursor to the war we're seeing now. Now, the two-state solution, the idea is that you would give full independence to the West Bank and the Gaza Strip as an integral, as a singular Palestinian state, as a separate country governed by the people of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. And that's the two-state solution. They would have their own state. You'd have a, a Jewish state in Israel, uh, which would continue even though it's, it's 75% Jewish, but it would self-identify as Jewish. Um, and then you have a Palestinian state in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. That's the idea here. And that would be seen as a settlement. And in 1993, in the Oslo Accords, uh, mediated by uh, Norway, uh, the Israelis and the Palestinians agreed to a course that would eventually lead to a two-state solution. At least that was the hoped uh, objective. It was never really implemented. And the government you have now of Netanyahu is firmly refused a two-state solution. Um, they seem to go between either just continued domination through force and often hinting and to some extent practicing the beginnings of what looks like ethnic cleansing, so pushing the Palestinians out of the Gaza Strip, all right, and having it as sort of empty land that they can then dominate on their own. Um, and um, the whole world is pretty much against this. Uh, even the United States nominally has supported the idea of a two-state solution. I say nominally because the U.S. has never applied any kind of pressure on Israel. Now what you're seeing, I think, is that um, on the one hand, Israel has firmly refused to even entertain the idea of a two-state solution. Uh, the, former, uh, the Israeli ambassador to Britain was asked about this on um, British television, and she insisted there'll be no two-state solution. That's the Israeli policy. Um, on the other hand, the United States is finding it what's going on in the Gaza Strip, the massive numbers of civilian deaths, especially among children, so embarrassing they are stepping up public criticism of Israel. Um, you know, again, with the implication that a two-state solution may be the way out. But I see this as cosmetic. Uh, I don't see any real pressure on Israel being exerted. I, you know, the pressure could be very simple. The U.S. says... Uh, either you end the war and uh, adopt a ceasefire and move towards the two-state solution, or we cut off all aid right now. That would be very effective. The U.S. has lots of leverage over Israel. But the Biden administration, like previous presidents, refuses to exercise this leverage. And so, so far, what we're getting, as I would see, is just public relations from the Biden administration. Again, that may change as the situation continues to deteriorate, as U.S. credibility in the world begins to diminish. Um, that could outweigh the, what, um, what the Biden administration sees as the positive aligning with a militaristic Israel. But we're not at that point yet. And right now what we're seeing, uh, as I would view it, is just a cosmetic change in terms of public relations to try and create the image of tensions between the U.S. and Israel, but not really the substance of 
really separating the U.S. from Israeli policy, as far as I can tell. Hmm. What will all of this mean? What will all of this mean? Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. And welcoming to the show, like I said, now you have been, now you're part of the family, Keith Zielinski. Um, You were raised Jewish in a passive Zionist household. Please explain that to me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Cynthia. Happy to be a part of the family. And so, happy Hanukkah to you, by the way. God bless you. We know that that ended yesterday, but may God bless you in this holy season. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Of course. If your uh, if your viewers attempted to Google the term passive Zionism, they wouldn't really come up with much. It's it's a term that I heard coined by, I think, Israelism, which is a, a film by American Jews who uh, have made it their mission to show other American Jews um, the path and the journey of unlearning their Zionism through their own experiences. But my passive Zionist household, as I would describe it, was... Um, more of a passive notion than an active ideology, uh, which Zionism is an active uh, ideology uh, based around um, Israel existing as a Jewish nation state for Jews in a Jewish supremacist manner. But I was always taught that um, Israel exists for the Jewish people as a safe haven for the Jewish people um, during the pogroms in Europe that sought to uh, destroy the Jewish people and, and, and the Holocaust that waged a, one of the most horrifying genocides of history against the Jewish people and that this land was a, a people without a land for a, or a, a land without people for a people without a land. And that resonates with so many Jews when they hear that at a young age, when they're taught about the Holocaust and how we didn't have a home uh, to be safe and that Israel exists for Jewish safety. And on top of that, when we create Israel, we made the desert bloom. There is nothing there and we, and we sprung cities out of nothing and prospered and frankly when you do the research unfortunately speaking this is all a lie and it's one of the most disturbing realities that I had to come to as a young person as a young Jew that Zionism and creating the state of Israel came at the expense of the indigenous population that live there, similar to how the United States was created and other uh, settler colonial uh, powers and their invasion of um, and their and their invasions of uh, occupied territories. So I was always taught that Israel must exist. 
for the for the Jewish safety, and that all these Arab states that surround it sought to destroy us because we're Jewish, and we just wanted this one little sliver of land for ourselves. And you learn that there's a whole lot of history uh, behind that, and why people are so angry at this notion of a Jewish nation state is because it in order for this Jewish nation state to exist you had to uproot uh, and massacre and forcibly displace the Palestinians that live there and it's an ongoing ethnic cleansing in slow motion and recently in Gaza you've seen that escalate to, uh, to genocide How does that um, how does that make you feel? I mean, if, if, let me back up. How old are you? I'm I'm 29 years old. Because we're hearing that this is a generational divide. I mean, your generation. I grew up with you know being told about Columbus, even though my parents countered that narrative and told me the truth and. Many in your generation are saying, wait a minute, Columbus Day, that's a holiday that we need to rethink. Thanksgiving, we need to rethink. You all are really ready to rethink everything, <laughs> and including the Middle East question. Am I right here? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, the struggle uh, for life and, and self-determination for the Palestinian people is very similar to the struggle of the Native Americans in, you know, on Turtle Island here in modern-day United States uh, and other Native indigenous people across the world. So, you know, we, we have to recognize that all these struggles are, intercon- are truly interconnected. And, we, and with that, we have to recognize that these holidays, uh, you know, Columbus Day and uh, Thanksgiving have unfortunately been celebrated and commemorated and exist uh, on, with, you know, while uh, celebrating, unfortunately, the subliminal celebration is that we took these lands in a very violent manner from the indigenous people that already existed there. Keith Zelensky, everybody, if not now, we're going to be talking about this on the other side of the break. What are your thoughts? Dr. David Gibbs, thank you so much for being with us today. Go on and make somebody okay, thank today. you, I'll be, I'll be gentle on, my, on grading my students, I promise. No, you're not. No, oh. you're not. <laughs> no, you know, the, the best professors are the toughest ones, and, the, and, and we're grateful in time. Right. Even if our GPAs take a hit. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Call us at 773-763-9278. Oh, God bless you. 773-763-9278. What about rethinking everything? What about rethinking everything? And you know what? Making things right. Making things right doesn't make us weaker. It makes us stronger. America's strong enough to do a review and to do a rethink and to change. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Yes, my eyes are still shut because I'm still 
I'm working on these optic issues, but I'm getting better, everybody. That's what the doctor told me yesterday. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, as we get things going here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, you know, we want you to be financially free. We want you to be financially free, and we want you to have access to the American dream. It's shocking to know that it cost $3.4 million to achieve it. A husband, wife, two partners, two children, $3.4 million will get you through the American life. How many of us really have that? And if the cornerstone of your wealth is a house, how many people are going to be able to pull together 20% down for a house? Very, very few. And, in fact, home ownership is going down, down, down in the United States. But not if you listen to Team Hochberg. In fact, if you listen to them, you might be able to be part of their program where you put not 5% down, not 10% down, but 1% down. That's right, 1% down of the value of the home that you want to purchase, and you'll be able to get it. That's right. Call them at 855 Five six David eight five 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 six David or go to five six David dot com. There you need to call and speak with Team Hochberg about this program one percent down. And if your credit's taken a hit, they also have a credit card that you can load up and build your credit over a few months. They can help you get your financial life in order. Everybody up until now, saving for a down payment for home has been really the prohibition. Uh, it's been it's been the great wall that people have tried to leap over uh, to try and buy homes, and they've not been able to do it. So now, instead of twenty percent, not even fifteen or ten, not not five, one percent down. Say it's a two hundred thousand dollar home. Well, you would have had to save forty thousand dollars. Now you just need two thousand dollars. But you got to call Team Hochberg at eight five 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 six David eight five 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 six David or 56david.com to see if you qualify for this program. So everyone within the sound of my voice, all of all of the listeners, so many people have benefited from this program, and you could too, everybody, your co-workers, your friends, the people who are parts of your lodges, sororities, fraternities, your churches, your social groups, your neighbors. People can benefit. So spread the word, everybody, 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. And Join this program. See if you can qualify for it. Do yourself a favor. Call Team Hochberg today at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or 56david.com. They have helped thousands of listeners, and they can help you, too. Everybody, let's get right to it. We have been talking with Keith Zielinski from If Not Now, raised Jewish in a passive Zionist household. He was telling us about his journey, how his thoughts have evolved and it's it is it has Keith been a generational it has really been generational because so many of you so many of those who are 29 and younger and maybe a little older than you you're willing to look at the world with fresh eyes I mean you see um, Israel 
in a way, I guess, as part of this Western colonial project that we have all been on, quite frankly, uh, that um, that has done some damage. That has done some damage. And so I want to thank you for sharing part of the story. And I want you to uh, just tell me really quickly. You saw an interview that sparked something in you. What happened? Yes, Antita. So there's an organization out there that I would encourage all of your viewers to just do a quick search and watch an interview of Breaking the Silence, an organization of former Israeli soldiers who speak out against the occupation and tell their stories of their firsthand experience of occupying the West Bank and all the cities within it and even the war crimes that they saw or participated in. So I saw an interview, I stumbled on an interview of a Breaking the Silence soldier doing their storytelling of, of the horrifying reality on the ground for the Palestinians under Israeli occupation. And you have to realize for someone like me, as a Jew that grew up in that Zionist household, if it was a Palestinian person, I don't know how much credibility I would extend to that Palestinian in that moment in my life. But because it was an Israeli soldier, someone that who, who was an Israeli Jew telling that story, it hit so much. It, it hit hard for me, and it was a shocking moment uh, that made me do a much deeper look into. Uh, Israel's occupation was it an occupation is it an apartheid state these were all questions that I uh, sought to answer um, and that is really what really spurred my um, activism in the long run as well but why were you even open to it I mean, there's something yeah, no, that, that there's some questions yep. I think that you must have been asking for you because many people would go past that Right? They just say, I'm being propagandized. These guys clearly have it wrong. There's something off with them. But there was something in you that went beyond that and listened to them. What do you think it was? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question, Santita. So I've always been politically minded uh, throughout my life, you know, as a, as a child in, in high school and college. Um, but I, I became particularly interested in international affairs and foreign policy in college, thanks to my uh, coursework and thanks to my professors that helped open my eyes and, be, and helped me become more open-minded to the realities of U.S. empire and U.S. hegemony across the world, that where our U.S. government seeks to extract the natural resource wealth from countries and install puppet governments to uh, to create this uh, unipolar uh, U.S. hegemony environment. And uh, that helped back the question for me, because when you go down that road, you learn about our relationships with Israel and our relationships with Saudi Arabia. So, and, and, and how that gives us influence in the Middle East and geopolitical influence across the world. So... That and listening to great journalists like Chris Hedges um, and, and people of the likes really helped um, 
helped me become more open-minded and thanks to my liberal arts education on helping me become more open-minded about these things and more skeptically minded as well uh, I think that is ultimately what uh, gave me the chance and gave me the opportunity to hear out those conversations and not just shut it down on the face of it Mm. Mark Fancher I mean it, it is in this context that um, I mean, well, do you? What do you think about the two-state solution? Is it possible? What when you see uh, President Biden now advocating for that, and uh, the Netanyahu government saying it will never happen? What do you think about that, Keith? Well, well, I strongly oppose the two-state solution, uh, and because I think that at bottom it uh, reflects white supremacy and white privilege, and and I can explain why. But before I do, I, I do want to salute our, our young brother, uh, Zelensky, for his courage and his clarity of thought. Um, I think that ultimately that will be what will resolve this entire situation, and I'll explain why in just a minute. But, you know, the, the Israeli state has been described as an apartheid state, and it is. And if, if we want to analyze it, uh, with that in mind, then we need to look at what is widely regarded as one of the first apartheid states, which is South Africa. In South Africa, when apartheid was in full effect, uh, and it was being challenged seriously by the African National Congress, the Pan-Africanist Congress, and other forces uh, throughout the world that were opposed to apartheid, and the apartheid regime began to see that its days were numbered. It developed its own version of the two-state system, only, the, uh, only they referred to it as separate development. And what they did is they identified some of the most barren areas in South Africa, and they designated them as places where the indigenous population could go and live, uh, in what they called Bantustans. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that we, as white settlers, have a different history and a different culture and a different future uh, from these indigenous uh, tribal groups and that we all should be allowed to develop in our own way. We should all be allowed to thrive uh, alone and without interfering with each other. And so therefore, we're going to give all of these indigenous uh, tribal groups their own places to live and we will continue to live uh, in, in the well-developed uh, urban areas and uh, suburban areas that, were, that made up South Africa. That idea of quote-unquote separate development and Bantustans was thoroughly and firmly rejected by everybody who loved justice because it was fundamentally wrong that you have an indigenous population that already had societies Settlers who came in and uh, engaged in genocide against them, uh, made war against them, and then developed this settler colony. It is no different from what is being proposed in Israel, because you had a, an indigenous population. Settlers came in, pushed them off the land, engaged in genocide, and is now engaged in war crimes. And now what you're going to say is that in spite of the fact that we really have no uh, moral, if not legal right, uh, to be here in the first place, what we're going to do is we're going to hang on to something and let you have something too, a two-state solution? No. That's fundamentally unjust. That's as unjust as somebody uh, staging a home invasion in my house, uh, coming in here, 
pushing me off to one corner of the house, and then when the police come, proposing that, well, okay, we'll let, we'll let the homeowner have part of his house, and we'll keep part of the house, too. That's fair, isn't it? No, it's not. I want my house. And so I oppose the two-state solution, and, and I think that the only, and even if you had it, it would not be a solution because you would still have a population, an indigenous population, which had been deprived of its rights to the land. And they would never rest until they achieved justice. The war would continue. The tensions would continue. The conflict would continue until they achieved justice. There are many people who believe that the indigenous nations in North America are no longer struggling and fighting to regain North America. They are. We don't see it on television, but they continue to fight because settler colonialism conceptually is fundamentally wrong. It is unjust, and justice can never be achieved until it is completely dislodged. And that's as true in, in, in Israel, it's as true in South Africa, and it's true in North America. North America's days as a settler colony are numbered. The people indigenous to this hemisphere will regain their land whether people believe it or not and so i think that ultimately the solution does rest not with uh you know palestinian resistance because but that's fundamentally important as well it has to happen uh, i don't think that the the answer is going to come through intervention of other countries uh in the in the region or any place else i think ultimately it's going to come from people like our, our young brother Zelensky, the people who are in, if not now, uh, people in Jewish Voices for Peace, and other people who are calling for justice in, in, in the Palestinian region. And what has to happen is a complete and thorough discrediting of the concept of Zionism and a realization that people need to return to the idea of living together as brothers and sisters regardless of their religion, their, their faith, their commitments, their racial identity, or whatever it may be, that there is one state that is the solution for this, and that is a state that is democratic, uh, which does not play favorites regard, uh, regarding whoever they may be, ethnically, religiously, or otherwise, a purely democratic state uh, that everybody participates in and lives in without regard to all of these things that have been used to divide them. South Africa has tried to go down that road, and I think it needs to go further. South Africa democratized politically, but it did not democratize economically. There is still a revolution that needs to be waged in South Africa to democratize the money. But I think that it's at least on the right, right road. That's the road that the Palestinian region needs to go down breaking down these designations according to religion, race, and other things that divide people, and to come together as a unified state that accepts people as human beings and respects justice, strives for it, fights for it, and does not rest until it's achieved. Hmm. Dwight McKee, two-state solution, what say you? Uh, I'm with Mark yeah, in terms of the, the best solution would be a democratic solution, but that it just never happened because one is the numbers will be on the Palestinian side and the Jews, the notion of Zionism is a religious notion, not just a political notion. And they, they believe that, that 
God has given them a state just because they're Jewish. It's a promise he made 3,000 years ago to Abraham. And then they have a duty not just to impose that upon the world, but to that that their destiny is tied into it and the destiny of the world is tied into it because the Messiah can't come back until that happens. And so the uh, the logic of the uh, you know, Jewish state is entrenched in the psychology of, of of the Zionists. That it can't be a shared state, it has to be a Zionist state. It is uh, the same mentality that many of the Arabs have in terms of setting up a Muslim society and all the laws be governed by the the, uh, the uh, Quran. The uh, the other part of that, Mark, is that what started out as a sanctuary state now is a bonanza. And with the finding of this oil and with the water uh, of Gaza and the natural resources that they bring uh, and are exportable, is that greed now is playing a part. And they see it as see the... Uh, Gaza as a opportunity not just to increase their land mass but their wealth and so they really want the Palestinians off of the land and they're going to try to push them off of the land because it is again a religious construct not just a political construct or social construct and 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 you have to understand and appreciate the mentality of uh, some of these fundamentalist Jews who really do see themselves as a chosen people different than anybody else on uh, on earth. It is very alien in its orientation. Well, Keith Zelensky, yeah, can, I, can I respond very quickly? Very quickly, I, 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 yes. I, yeah, I, 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 hear, I hear you, Dwight, but I think that the, the key is for people, the younger generation, to break from that kind of thinking. What's required is a revolutionary struggle. Yes, they're committed to trying to perpetuate what has been, but there needs to be a revolutionary struggle uh, by people who are enlightened and who break from that old way of thinking against the old order. Which is what Keith Zelensky is doing. And so that's why, you know, many people really put uh, this this new world at your feet, Keith. I know it's a daunting task, but I think you can do it. I mean, you are already moving in that direction. I mean, how do we move the needle? What would you What would you see all of us do? I mean, because you because what you're saying has implications not just for Israel and Palestine. It has implications for the United States because now you have. Um, you know, the First Nations, you have uh, indigenous people who have cases before the Supreme Court. Half, Almost half of uh, Oklahoma is supposed to go back to the indigenous people. Now, are they push, it, it, is, is the U.S. government pushing back against it? Yeah, but, you know, a whole lot of things could, re, could get reordered here. What's the path forward to your way of thinking, Keith? Yeah, let me just say, I... I mean, the, the sentiment from your other two guests, I, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of agreement there when it comes to not only the viability or the lack of viability for a two-state solution, 
Let me just be clear about this. We hear about the Tuesday solution as if it's some kind of buzzword that exists in a fantasy land somewhere that we that we seek to achieve in another world. The two-state solution is not viable as it stands today, and it is not going to be viable for a very long time because of actors like Netanyahu and the far-right extremists in Israel, and even the so-called moderates in Israel that seek uh, settlement expansion, illegal settlement expansion in the West Bank that takes more and more land from the Palestinians illegally. This is internationally Ill- illegal, by the way. The, the path for a two-state solution, it makes it, very, um, it makes it very difficult, for lack of a better word. So when it comes to what we can do in the United States, I don't think people realize the power of posting on social media. The social media world is the reason why people are, are are in the streets right now mobilizing and acting because guess what? People in Gaza can document the horrific reality on the ground through their device and posting on social media. That is unfiltered. That's not going through Fox News or CNN. That's just going straight to my social media feed and everyone else's social media feed. So keep on posting. Make everyone, make the world aware of the horrific genocide that Israel is imposing with U.S. taxpayer money, with U.S. government officials that are enabling it to happen because we are funneling money to Israel without any conditions. It's disgusting. So what we can do is use our vo- use our voice, use our vote. Do not let uh, lobbying organizations like APEC control our democracy. Go and vote for Rashida Tlaib. Go and vote for Ilan Omar. Vote for the politicians that stand against the Israeli occupation, because that needs to be on the that that needs to be on the forefront. And you'll find that a lot of these politicians like Omar and Tlaib and others are not just fighting for justice in Palestine, are fighting for justice here in the United States as well. It's no coincidence that the struggles of marginalized people, of the black community, of the Native American community, of the Palestinians, it's all interconnected. And you'll see that Tlaib, Omar and others are fighting for, are, are, are fighting for those people are fighting for everyone. Keith Zelensky, everybody, if not now, I have to tell you, it's just, it's it's refreshing to hear uh, this call for justice on your part. And uh, are you getting support in, in your community? I mean, because I'm sure this has sparked tremendous conversation within the Jewish community and within the Jewish American community in particular. Yeah, we, we're receiving tons of support, and I'll say, I'll say this on that note. We have amazing leaders on our side. We have Rabbi Brent Rosen, uh, part of SEDEC, um, which is the only anti-Zionist 
a Jewish synagogue in the country, or it's at least the first anti-Zionist synagogue in the country. We have we have him leading the way for us. We have great leaders. We have people like again. I want to stress the importance of having someone like Rashida to lead, uh, because of of the vicious. Uh, slanderous claims posed against her on the basis of anti-Semitism. It's disgusting, and we as uh, Jews, as part of If Not Now, Jewish Voices for Peace, and abroad, standing against the Israeli genocide and the occupation, we have Rashida's back, and we have her back until the end, and that will not cease until Palestinians are free. You heard it there, everybody. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop on that. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel so I can get some closing thoughts from everybody here. Um, because, you know, APAC is doing what APAC is doing. $100 million to take the squad and progressives out. Okay. But now you must do your part. Don't go. Don't get mad with them. Now you get registered to vote. You get active. You help these people to stay in office. Support the people who support you. Keith Zelensky, what a brave young man you are. And I thank God for your witness and for your journey every step of the way. (laughs) Every step of the way, I'm grateful for it because all of the things that you've experienced, the things that have hurt, the things that have made you happy, have made you who you are. And that counts for all of us. I love you, everybody. God bless you. See you on Keep Up Alive on Sunday and at Rainbow Push tomorrow at 10 o'clock at 930 East 50th Street. Until then, stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel so we can get some closing thoughts from this fantastic panel. Love you, everybody. Thank you, Henry, for a great show.